Baseball is fun right now. Welcome to your Wednesday, December 5th episode of Fantasy Baseball Today. Scott White is back from... Uh, where was he? I was moving. I was moving and getting settled in and uh, using some vacation time that it accumulated to, uh, to take it uh, take it slow. Must sh- be nice. Did you get that approved <laughs> with your boss, Chris Towers? Uh, yes. Yes, I, I didn't just bolt and uh, with no word to Chris. Chris and I had a discussion about it. And uh, yeah. Cool. No, in, my, in my benevolence, I approved it. <laughs> oh, what a nice guy. So today is all about the news. Patrick Corbin to the Nationals. See, I'm glad we waited. We didn't do it yesterday. Patrick Corbin to the Nationals. Paxson to the Yankees. Cano to the Mets. Edwin Diaz to the Mets. Segura to the Phillies. Um, Alex Colomay to Wait, the... Basically, the NL East is going to be a dogfight. Like, don't bury the lead. Go every on. team decided we could make a run this year because the lowly Braves won it last year. What what lead did I bury? Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly to the... To the Cardinals, so that's someone we're going to talk about pretty soon. You're wondering who Merrill Kelly is. Oh, no, so I said the Cardinals, so the Diamondbacks. <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals play a different sport. It was a Cardinals-like move with the Miles Michael yeah. last year. That, that's what you were thinking. But, uh, I don't know about that. Maybe that or maybe the Arizona thing. But uh, let's start with uh, some non-news, uh, even though I said everything was going to be news today. Email of the day number one is from Matt. Tribe fan here, love the show. Just listened to yesterday's podcast about second baseman. I didn't hear any mention of Jose Ramirez. He should still maintain third base and second base eligibility. He's a bona fide stud and particularly valuable because of his dual position eligibility. I don't believe... Not in our leagues. You know, yeah, okay. I'm glad glad you think he should, Matt, but he doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I emailed Matt separately. And he, <laughs> Matt is in a Yahoo league and he will have, uh, not Matt, Jose Ramirez will be second base eligible. Matt is only okay. eligible at catcher. Um, so he'd be the number one second baseman. He's my third overall player. So it's Trout Betts Ramirez. But in case to, to preempt the follow up. Yeah. Yeah. But no, there's another follow up. I know he'd be oh. your number one second baseman, but now let's give him second base eligibility. Does he become your number one player? No. I will never... Eligibility doesn't matter. We went over this last offseason. Eligibility, dual eligibility is valuable, but no, it's not enough to, to make that big of a gap. I will never storm. not have Mike Trout as my number one player again. I'll just finish that sentence with again. <laughs> because <laughs> okay. he's so young, and who knows how long I'll be doing this. But never again. You know how Are long... you trying to announce something, Scott? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not trying to announce anything. <laughs> you know how long you'll be doing this, Scott? Ho- hopefully I'm doing it well after Trout is gone. But, you know. Forever. <laughs> uh, email of the day number two is from Paul. Here's a geography lesson, Chris. Paul is 552 miles east of the Gateway Arch. East. Uh, if you're looking for a nickname to lampoon James Paxton's softness, softness, May I suggest Big Balsa? Seems more fitting than Big Maple, a notoriously hard wood. Wow, All right, so here's—I he, he, just want to—I I, want to point something out. No, no sports fan should ever call a professional athlete soft. <laughs> One of James Paxton's off-season workout regimens would probably leave the three of us crying. Uh, well. 
at least two of us. But we have this is not a good nickname. Balsa, I had to look up. It is like a soft tree. Well, balsa wood. Yeah, you don't know balsa. No, wood? I didn't like know the, that. Like the balsa wood airplanes, you know? Yeah, they're you they're basically a lot of made airplanes? to break. No, I didn't. I had no idea what that was. What well, a sheltered interested. childhood you lived. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I just uh, no. I I think I think no. So here come a lot of news and notes. The Nationals signed Patrick Corbin, and the Yankees acquired James Paxton. All this has happened in the last few weeks. Who do we have ranked higher, Scott Paxton or Corbin? I have Corbin ranked higher, um, largely because of the you know the fact that James Paxton. Uh, you know, you can't even count on him for 160 innings in a season, much less what Patrick Corbin provided for the Diamondbacks last season. Now, I do think there is a, a case to be made that Paxton, performance-wise, is the safer pick. I mean, he's done it uh, two and a half seasons now, basically, where he's performed like an ace-caliber pitcher. Um, but I am not... And, and maybe this is dumb after what happened with Robbie Ray last year, but I'm not going to play the naysayer for Patrick Corbin. Uh, he's kind of a weird breakout because he did it unconventionally. He actually, you know, his fastball velocity actually went down, but he threw his slider, which was his best pitch more than ever, basically made it his primary pitch. And he was the best swing and miss pitcher in baseball with that. Uh, is there, is that going to make an injury risk? For going forward, is is he going to lose the element of surprise with that pitch, and it becomes just a gimmick that won't last? I, I think those are reasonable questions. But um, you know, good control pitcher who now gets a lot of swings and miss, misses, and is going to a better park too. And and so, uh, yeah. I well, really wait Corbin, a second. Is he going to a better park? Because he, I I think it's probably a worse park than what Chase Field was last year. Um, but. We don't know. We can't say definitively on Chase Field yet. He was actually a lot better on the road. He had a 280 ERA on the road and a 347 ERA at home. So let's say it's not a huge factor right now. It's not a huge factor. I mean, the biggest thing for him is just can he get away with doing that again? Corbin we're talking about here, not yeah. Paxton. Chris, who would you take, Corbin or Paxton? I would take Corbin before Paxton, but I am more likely to draft Paxton next year, if that makes sense. Well, what do you what do you anticipate their ADPs will be? Well, I know Scott has Corbin as the number eleven starting pitcher, so most of the leagues I play in are with Scott White, <laughs> so he's going to get drafted before I am comfortable drafting him again. After what happened with Patrick Corb, uh, sorry, Robbie Ray last year, <laughs> kind of a scary thought. But I mean, if, since I've made that started down that path of comparing those two. Um, I will point out that Corbin, obviously, a much better control pitcher than yeah, Robbie Ray the, is. And he's difference. a great ground ball pitcher, too. Always has been a great ground ball pitcher. So even though he gives up, a, he gave up a lot of hard contact, like Robbie Ray was known to do. Uh, well, you know, it's a how, lot of ground balls. How about this? Um, Justin Mason, uh, who put together the uh, great fantasy baseball invitational that I think all of us except Adam took part in last year. He put together uh, nine early mock drafts. I think this was probably about a month ago. Yeah, two months ago, actually. And in those, so this was before any moves were made, Corbin's ADP was 56.3. James Paxton's ADP, 57.6. So it looks like they're probably going to go, at least based on that, 
relatively in the same spot. And if that's the case, I would rather have Corbin. You know, I got to say, Paxton is actually, in terms of what does this change do to his value, Paxton going to the Yankees, it's a, obviously, it's a loss. It, yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the most favorable hitters park. He was uh, a guy who, for the first time in his career, he struggled with home runs last year. 23 of them he gave up. His previous high for a season was nine. So he, he was trending in the way of be, the direction of becoming a fly ball pitcher. And uh, uh, I want to say, you know, it was, it was a few weeks ago now that I wrote about this trade. Um, so just to confirm here. Uh, yeah, I mean, consistently better at home yeah. throughout his career. Oh, yeah. ERA about oh, yeah. a run lower. So that's, you know, there's a trade off there because now he's going to the Yankees who have a great offense and are going to win 90 plus games, I think, pretty easily. So that's going to uh, impact his win total. And ultimately, win total is one of the. You know, it's not something you can predict very easily, but it has a great impact on a pitcher's value. So even if his ERA, you know, is mid threes, he'll probably still be pretty close to an ace on a start by start basis. Have the Yankees acquired a pitcher from a big AL West ballpark who really struggled at Yankee Stadium but was okay on the road recently? <laughs> Sonny Gray, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the one thing about Pax, like Pax is a much more talented pitcher than Sonny Gray. Uh, I, I don't remember if I brought this up like three weeks ago when we did a show and, and we just talked about, oh, what if Paxton gets traded to the Yankees? But do you remember when David Price got traded to the Blue Jays and there was some concern about his history at Rogers Center, I believe, his fly ball yep. tendencies? Yep. And he was amazing. He was. So these guys, maybe maybe they tend to step it up. I don't know. Maybe it's a case-by-case thing. But it is worth noting, yeah, James Paxton, yeah. Uh, much better at home than on the road. And it's also just generally worth noting, pitchers as a whole tend to pitch better at home than on the road. Players as a whole tend to perform better uh, in their home bar ballpark than they do on the road, regardless. Uh, you know, there are exceptions in the extremes, but... You know, for the most part, that tends to hold true. So you do have a little bit of balancing out where, you know, he's moving to a, a worse park, but he's a little more comfortable at home. He gets a better night's sleep, whatever the case may be. Um, and it's only half of his starts. Uh, yeah, true. But but it's, uh, it's always, I mean, we have this conversation every time somebody goes to the AL East. Now they have to face the Red Sox. They have to pitch in in Baltimore, which would probably be good because it's Baltimore. But they have to pitch in Toronto. Yeah. They have to yeah. they have to pitch at Fenway Yankee Stadium. It's a it's a bad division to be in. Um, There's only one team you're worried about in that division when you're joining the Yankees, though. It's the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah. every yeah. other team in that division is probably going to be bottom half of the league in runs scored. I would guess. Yeah. Maybe not the Rays, but yeah, I mean Blue Jays and certainly mm. Orioles are definitely rebuilding. Um, you know, there was we there were some concerns raised when Chris Sale went to the Red Sox, and we see how that's right. gone. It's it's you know you can only you you have you have to look at the facts and interpret the facts based on you know because we're in the forecasting business. That's what you have to do. But uh, talented pitchers do tend to uh, to overcome the external factors that might sidetrack somebody else, like a Sonny Gray. Okay, so we have more news to get to. Obviously, a lot. Some of the things we will talk about. The Mets, well, basically everything that the Mariners have done. But also, we can't forget about uh, 
about <clears throat> Carlos Santana going to Seattle. It's sort of a forgotten guy in all this news. And Josh Donaldson signed a one-year contract with the Braves. That was fun. Yeah, uh, it was. It, right? It was cool. So, anyway, uh, let me talk to you first about Robin Hood. Okay? It's a new new sponsor of our show, but it's an investment app that makes investing just a lot more easy and a lot, a lot more comfortable for anybody who's kind of intimidated by the process. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. Robinhood strives to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. So if you're sitting there and you'd like to have a portfolio, but you've been kind of concerned about it, intimidated by it, this is something that makes it really simple and it's intuitive. It's got a clear design on the app with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. That's actually what I like most about it. Uh, the app, I think, is really easy to use. It's easy to follow your stocks. You know, they, they personalize it for you. And the best part about Robinhood is that they don't give you fees. No commission fees. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade. Robinhood does not charge commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. So I like it because it's easy to use. It helps me save money without the, you know, without the fees. And it's just a good way to, to get into the game a little bit. So what we're going to do is give you a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Go to this URL, strike.robinhood.com. Strike.robinhood.com. Again, a free stock for our listeners at strike.robinhood.com. So how about uh, the Mets swinging a deal for Cano and Edwin Diaz, giving up Jay Bruce, Anthony Swarzak, a reliever, and a couple of uh, minor leaguers, also right-handed pitcher Gerson Bautista. But the minor leaguers are pretty good prospects in the Mets system. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're fairly – well, the, the better of the two prospects is pretty far away. He's an 18-year-old who was in rookie ball, or 19-year-old. Uh, and the pitcher, I think he was in double-A last year. There are a lot of done. questions. Yeah, there's a lot of questions about whether he can be a starter, but he's going to get an opportunity in a good park. Well, Scott, what'd you make of the overall trade? Well, I, I, it, I thought there, there's so much money changing hands here that it's hard to assess, um, you, you know, just whether one team got enough for or so. Like I, I. My thought was Edwin Diaz, considering he's uh, an elite closer who still, you know, has has a lot of control left, years of control left. I I kind of thought he would fetch more than this, especially since the Mariners were saying that was one of the guys they wanted to hold on to. Uh, you know, and closers don't have much value to teams who aren't looking to win it. So I think it's fair to say the Mets are certainly looking to win it. There was some talk of them maybe moving Noah Syndergaard early this offseason. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen anymore. They are in it to win they it. They are in it to win it, yes. They're, um, they are hot on JT Romuto right now. They are kind of considered the leaders, I believe. It, yeah, I, I think so. Um, it pretty much pretty much all of the NL East is in on Real Muto. <laughs> Just like they're all, they're, they're kind of running the offseason. Except so for the far. Marlins. Um you know, you'd rather see Edwin Diaz play for a team that's trying versus one that's clearly not in the Mariners. So there's no reason to downgrade him based on this news. And there's no way to upgrade him because he was already my number one closer. Um, 
part of me thinks it's going to end up blowing up in our face because it's the Mets, and that's what always happens. <laughs> uh, I, I think there's a decent chance, considering Jay Bruce was injured all of last season, too, that now you got to figure he's going to play. And he was a reliable source of 30 homers prior to last year. I think there's a chance he ends up being kind of a five outfielder league sleeper uh, now that he's now that there's an opportunity for him. Oh, do not get Chris started on Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce is Chris Towers' least favorite player in baseball, if not baseball history. Ooh. I don't a lot of players out there. No, that's not fair. He well, the way you were tweeting about him, I mean, he was awful. He's not good. He was awful, but he's coming off two straight seasons with thirty-three homers and ninety-nine RBIs at least. And okay, then it, last year it was it's dreadful. worth saying. He is, he is usually better for fantasy than he is for real life, because uh, he'll hit some homers. But he's, he's a two-category player. Uh oh yeah yeah, but he'll probably be able to DH, which will help. And yeah. they he won't have to field. Um, all right, so so whose value changes the most when we look at all these Mariners trades? And you can include Paxton in there, but Cano, Diaz, Paxton, Segura going to the Phillies, and you know, and the guys going back, Carlos Santana going back to the Mariners. You know, who who are you going to be uh, adjusting the most in your rankings? J.P. Crawford also going to the Mariners in that Gene Segura deal. So he's, yeah. you know, there's opportunity for him that wasn't there before. I'm just not sure how much I believe in the skills anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I got biggest change. It, it probably is Jay Bruce for me because he goes no. from being complete afterthought to <laughs> he, okay, now he's probably an everyday player. Chris again. not agreeing. What do you got, Chris? You know who it is? And I, Alex Colome. No, I mean it. It actually well, Colome's on... with the White Sox now, right? Yeah, he he could close for them. Sure. He, he would have definitely closed for the Mariners if he was still there. I will say keep an eye on uh, the Gerson Bautista guy. He could figure into the uh, ninth inning role for the, for a bad Mariners team that doesn't really have a lot of options. He throws hard. But I'm going to say Gene Segura, who, Scott, you don't even have as a top 12 shortstop. <gasps> for <Yeah>. shame, sir. <laughs> There's a lot of good shortstops out there. And Gene Segura is one of them. He yeah. is... I. I was pretty famously not a Gene Segura believer during his breakout 2016 season. But at this point, we're three years in to him hit hitting 300 like a metronome. He's so boring, stealing, dude. Stealing 20 bases. He's so he's gonna boring. He's going to be in a, what should be a really good lineup, especially if they add Machado or Harper. What is there? Like, this could be a guy. He's moving from a bad hitter's park to a very good one. Yeah, he's uh he's boring. I think I think he sh- I think he could be better than Xander Bogart. Oh, like, oh god, looking no. The, looking at the the class of shortstops who were drafted ahead of him in those early mock drafts that I mentioned earlier, it was Xander Bogarts, Corey Seager, and Glaber Torres. I might take Gene Segura over all three of them. Oh, oh man, Chris Towers. Like, wh- why, why? I'll tell you why. He? Well, he, he okay. A, he, I, uh, go ahead, Scott. Go ahead. Like he, he was. He and, was. And, hold on, especially in a road league. He was in that class prior to going to Seattle. That one year with the Diamondbacks, he was unquestionably a lead at the he, position. So he if you think one spot behind Xander Bogarts last year in Roto, if you think the the park change is going to make that big of a difference, then I, I'm just not confident it will because he makes a lot of weak contact, always has, and home away splits with Seattle don't really tell that story. So I'm kind of more of the mind that that 
Diamondback season with the 41 doubles and 20 homers was a fluke. Now, if you know, you 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 say I don't have him in my top 12 in either format. Well, the last guy uh, is going like it's Adalberto Mondesi or it's Jerks and Profar. I mean, Profar was better than Segura on a per game he, basis this year, and I think there's a lot more upside there. And um, Mondesi, I mean, come on. Why why is there more upside with Jerks and Profar? Because I think he like, had a lot of. Homers. I think he had bad Babbitt luck this year. I think he was the clearest example of a player whose batted ball profile didn't. His production didn't live up to his baddest ball batted ball profile. Probably number one on my list of players who that was true of. And yet he still outperformed Gene Segura in points leagues. Now Roto League, maybe Segura. You could make a case for him over Profar if you don't think Profar is going to get any better. I mean, uh, but I do like. We're talking about a guy last year who was a top 60 overall player in Roto Leagues, was one spot behind Xander Bogarts in shortstop, and you're acting like it's crazy (laughs) that he could be better than, like, come on. No, I don't think it's crazy. He's going to hit 300. I think it's crazy to take him over Corey... Corey Seager and, and Carlos Correa, like you were saying, because those no, are I didn't say Carlos borderline Correa. first rounders. I didn't oh, say Carlos did. Correa. Who did you say? Well, well hold on. He Corey said, Seager's never been a borderline first rounder. He in was terms a of first how, rounder two years ago. In terms of how he's actually played? Uh, he said Glaber Torres. He said. It was uh, Glaber Torres, Xander Bogarts, and Corey Seager. Corey Seager is coming off hip and elbow surgery and, yeah. and coming off a season where, frankly, he wasn't that good for fantasy in Roto Leagues. Uh, Xander Bogarts is good, but you're basically trading home runs for steals, and I'll take Gene Segura when it comes to batting average. Xander Bogarts' counting stat numbers were pretty mediocre last year. And Glaber Torres, like, I like him, but like Adam and I talked about yesterday, his profile for fantasy, especially in Roto, it may not be that great. Yeah. Hey, Bogarts? No, Labor. Torres, yeah, in Roto. It's possible. He's certainly not going to be the base dealer that Segura is. And Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a lineup upgrade. It's well, a ballpark upgrade. He uh, was a lot better on the road last year. He was actually better at home in 2017, though, Gene Segura. And I don't know. I, I think with Segura, I kind of feel like I'm settling if I take him. And it's fine. Like, I'm settling. You know what? He feels like what Elvis Andrews used to feel like uh, several years ago. And it was like, look, Elvis Andrews is going to be like a top eight shortstop. He's going to be good. He's not going to be great. Then he had a great year, and it kind of changed our perception. And that's sort of how I feel about Segura. He's going to be good. You're never going to sit him, but he's not yeah. going to necessarily win you your league if you take him too yeah, early. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Except I mean, he was also he was the number one shortstop three years ago. Yeah, yeah, he was, and we in, never in bought Arizona. into that. And, and, has and he been, had that awesome season. He, yeah. And he bet he slugged five twenty nine in Arizona that year. So it, I, it, he also stole thirty three bases that right. year. So it wasn't just power. Like he he averaged twenty one steals his two years in Seattle. So it's mm-hmm. clearly not somebody who's going to carry you in the category. He'll help. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Josh Donaldson. Uh, first of all, okay, closers, closers. So. Uh, who do you think's closing for? I, I heard we mentioned. Uh, who do you think's closing for Seattle? And do you think Colome could close for the White Sox? My guess is Colome would close for the White Sox, but there's a financial incentive for them to go with Nate Jones instead. I, I think it'll at least be a competition to start out. Um, Seattle. I would guess for- Swarzak gets the first look. He's coming off a disastrous season, but he was pretty good the year before they have an incentive to want his value to be up yeah 
Okay. Uh, more exciting stuff. The Braves signed Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson had a 920 OPS with the Cleveland Indians. It was brief. It was uh, 16 games. He batted 280. He homered three times. He doubled three times, and he had as many walks as strikeouts. So that was nice. Uh, where's Donaldson in your third base ranking, Scott? He is right around 12th. I'm not on my work computer here, so I don't have the spreadsheets all available to me. But he's he's you know he's he's 12th and 13th. I want to say behind Justin Turner. This move doesn't change any of that. The Braves fan of me is going to be like, oh yeah, now he's going to recapture MVP form. But <laughs> more uh, more practically speaking. It's uh, you, you got to factor in the amount of time he's missed with injuries the past couple of years because uh, uh, at his age, I don't think you can bet against that at this point. Chris, how do you feel about Josh Donaldson? Oh, my calf hurts. <laughs> um, look, it, he, he hasn't exercise. shown the ability to stay healthy over the last couple of seasons, and it's been the same recurring injury. Uh, so that's got to be a big concern. Um, if I can get him outside of the top 100, I'm, I'm okay with it. But, you know, if someone wants to pay up for the name value and hope that he can uh, bounce all the way back, then I, I'll let someone else draft him. He's someone that I'm fine falling to me. Donaldson, I actually have 11th, so a little higher than I was saying. You have him ahead um, of uh, Nick Castellanos? Well, Nick Castellanos is only outfield base eligible, eligible now. So. Um, would you, would uh, you but take... it's worth noting, Heath does not have Donaldson in his top 12 at all. Those are I can't see beyond that because top 12s are what we have on the site right now, but he's not in the top 12. You have him ahead of Travis Shaw. I do. That's interesting. And just behind Justin Turner. Okay. Yep. And Vladimir Guerrero ahead of Josh Donaldson. Fun. That's right. Look, if you go to our rankings page on cbssports.com slash fantasy, then click baseball, then click rankings, then go to third base, we don't have a picture for Vladimir Guerrero. We just have like a generic silhouette, and he looks like a football player. <laughs> he looks absolutely ripped. It looks like Thurman Thomas. It's great. That, that's well, reason he, to move him up. He is a uh, he is a big beefy baseball boy. <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is thick. A big beefy baseball boy. I like that. Okay. So basically, what our rankings are suggesting is the Blue Jays got rid of Josh Donaldson and upgraded at third base. Apparently. Apparently. I mean, I think the early uh, steamer projections on fan graphs have Vladimir as like the 11th best hitter in baseball next season. Wow. Wow. Are you going to take Vladimir Guerrero or Gene Segura, your your boy Gene Segura first, <laughs> Chris? I'll, I'll gladly take them both. Because okay. you're going to have to take Vladimir Guerrero 40 spots ahead yeah, of Gene yeah, Segura. Yeah. He's going to go. Oh, so I think you're going to see Vladimir Guerrero go in the second or third round in a lot of drafts. Well, you're on, but you're on board with taking Vladimir Guerrero. You're saying, or no? Because before Not, you were saying he's go, he's going to go earlier than I take him. Okay, so again, in those early mock drafts, his ADP was fifty point seven. I would take him late fourth round, early fifth round. I'm that that's a very good place. But in one draft, he went twenty third overall, and another one, he went thirty fifth. So it just it depends on who you're drafting with. There's going to be someone who wants Vlad Guerrero. Going to wrap up here in about 10 minutes, guys. So tell me which other moves stood out. Billy Hamilton's a free agent now. Jonathan Scope's a free agent. Avi Garcia and Matt Davidson are free agents. The Nationals got Jan Gomes. The Braves signed Brian McCann. Garrett Richards, two-year deal with the Padres, but he's going to sit most, if not all, of this year. Tommy John surgery. 
Uh, Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals slash Diamondbacks signed uh, Merrill <laughs> Kelly to a two-year $5.5 million deal. And Adrian Beltre retired. Um, Scott, what's been uh, what's been keeping you up at night, wondering what you're going to do with your rankings now that this happened? It's actually a couple of non-tenders. Non-tenders day was I had a few noteworthy moves. Uh, Blake Parker got non-tendered by the Angels. Brad Boxberger, Hunter Strickland got non-tendered by their teams. Those were all guys who were closing much of last year. But the ones who I think I'm most interested in following uh, this offseason are Jonathan Scope, who got non-tendered by the Brewers, and Billy Hamilton. Non-tendered by the Reds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Scope has a much better chance of landing a starting gig somewhere. In fact, I think he will. Hamilton, I'm, I'm not sure. You could make the justification if you're a GM just for defense he's worth having in your lineup, but, uh, but you could make the justification he's a bench player too. Uh, one thing I know for sure about Billy Hamilton, we are going to spend way too much time talking about him in the preseason. <laughs> just like if he signs somewhere and he's got any path to playing time because he's you know he's obviously got the potential to lead the league in steals we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about him uh what do we think about merrill kelly uh i look at his numbers in korea and am not impressed so um probably a back-end guy it sounds like he especially now that corbin's out of the picture and shelby miller himself was a non-tender Sounds like Merrill Kelly has the inside track on a starting job, but um, I'm not that interested. Yeah, the the Miles Michaelis comparison only works so far because uh, I'm not sure Merrill Kelly has a great mustache, and also Miles <laughs> Michaelis was a lot better when he yeah, was pitching overseas. In Japan, overseas. too, which I think yeah. is higher level of competition than Korea. Yeah. I didn't say this earlier, but you know, I, I remember, Chris, you planted your flag in some argument last year. I don't remember what it was. Uh, I will do that. Uh, uh, right now, as of December 5th, I am anti-Patrick Corbin. Will not be drafting him. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I won't be drafting him. Again, like I said, Scott's going to take him. <laughs> I don't believe in a guy who has uh, velocity issues and throws his slider like 45% of the time. I believe he's no. going to strike out a ton of hitters. I don't believe the strikeouts are a fluke. Maybe the rate will go down a little, but... Velocity issues seems a little unfair. He doesn't throw as hard as you'd expect somebody with his strikeout rate to throw in 2019. He throws pretty soft. He's like a 91-mile-per-hour fastball guy. He averaged like 90 last year. But it's it's his secondary pitch. Yeah, just like... Yeah, I, I, I guess. His home run rate was really low last year. His hard his contact rate pitch. was through the roof. It was, yep. So My thing with him is, um, and I, I this is mostly a theory. I don't actually know. Um, he throws his slider, and really, last year it was slider and curveball. He threw about 50% of the time. He introduced a curveball, and that was a big thing for him because it looks exactly like the slider, but it's 10 miles per hour slower. So it kind of served as a changeup for him. Um, my question is, you know, we, we see pitchers when they lose, when they age, when they lose velocity, when they lose stuff, go away from their fastball. Does he have anywhere else to go? Like ha- what? As he ages, he's 29 years old. He'll be 30, I think, on opening day. 
he's going to lose skill. That's just generally what happens. What counter does he have? Or if hitters start to figure him out, yeah. Right. If hitters start because he threw out of the zone, out of the strike zone, I think more than any pitcher in baseball last year. Right. That's that concerns me. And he induced a ton of swinging strikes on pitches outside of the strike zone because his slider is so good. But if the scouting report catches up and all of a sudden guys start swinging just a little bit less, does he have a counter to the inevitable counter? That's my only question with him. The way he pitched last year, there was no fluke. He was actually better than his 315 ERA or whatever it was. He had, I think, the second best FIP in baseball. He was up there in Sierra and every pretty much every advanced stat. He might have pitched better than his results. It's just a question for me of... Hitters are going to adjust. I don't know what his counter is at this point because he's already such an extreme uh, slider-heavy pitcher. All right, guys, let's finish off with some emails here at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. We will read your emails in just one second right after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Here's an email from Sean, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Sean says, I was offered Chris Archer and Willie Calhoun for Nomar Mazzara. I believe this is a Dynasty League question, by the way. I should hope so. Uh, Should I pull the trigger, give up Mazzara for Archer and Willie Calhoun? Do it, do it now. Nomar Mazzara is barely a starting caliber fantasy option. Uh, Nick from Tacoma, Washington is apparently a Mariners fan. He's talking about their GM, Jerry DePoto. Jerry DePoto has made himself fantasy relevant by solving every problem the Phillies have. Now they can play Hoskins at first base. They don't have to write checks to Carlos Santana, and he doesn't have to uh, let, and Hoskins doesn't have to be the worst outfielder in baseball and let that affect his swing. Can you believe this good fantasy fortune? Seriously, if there were a fantasy manager as bad at his job as DePoto is, trading away young, high-end talent for middling prospect, quote, prospects and Jurassic players, you guys would be playing the regulator's music and burying the guy. How long can Manfred sit idly by and watch this? J.P. Crawford <laughs> is now the cornerstone of the rebuild. Let that sink in. F, dollar sign, pound, A, five, open parentheses, dollar sign, apostrophe, dollar sign, 838W6262. That appears to be Nick just slamming his keyboard in frustration. Well, I, I like Jared Kalenic better than... <laughs> I, I would call him the cornerstone of the rebuild, the Mets' first-round pick last year. Uh, but uh, I didn't. I, the, the return for the Segura deal, I thought, was pretty surprising. Um, pretty bad, you mean? And maybe part of it's because DePoto actually... Like, DePoto seems to be one of the... Guys, one of maybe the the GM in baseball who most values OBP above everything. Um, but that's but that's the thing is that Carlos Santana is under contract for two years and is thirty four. There's no there's no world in which he's part of any competitive Seattle Mariners team. Yeah, 
No, that's a good point. I mean, and C- Crawford walks a ton. That's the one thing he does. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's part of the part of what I like. He, Crawford was always a great strikeout to walk guy, even in the minors. So, um, you know, it, it that kind of seems like it's just a pet player for Depoto, and maybe he overpaid for him. Uh, obviously, it wasn't that long ago Crawford was considered one of the elite prospects in baseball sure. and a shortstop to boot. So uh, maybe we shouldn't be so quick to bury him, but I feel like his stock must have fallen. No, we've come to days. praise him, not to bury him. <laughs> uh, Dan in Toronto, dear Uncle Adam and Scott's cell phone, I miss you. The offseason is long, and I miss regular doses of fantasy football, fantasy baseball. Excuse me. I especially love the hot stove season because that's when the only people still paying attention to baseball are dynasty and keeper league players. And that's when I get the most advice applicable to my team. With that being said, I'm having a lot of trouble deciding how to fill my final keeper spot. We can keep nine players. Pick my last keeper. Conforto, Clevenger, and Herman Marquez. Uh, oh, man. It's between, uh, for me, it's between the pitchers. Who I have one spot oh, we, apart in my rank. I feel like we've debated Clevenger and Marquez like six times. Can I can yeah. I make the can I make the decision easier? You want Conforto? One of the players that he's keeping is Nick Castellanos. Why not just put him back and keep both Clevenger and Marquez? Oh wow, what a guy! What a guy, Chris Towers is. Solutions. Email Solutions, Chris from <laughs> from Hugh. <laughs> Head to head points league. Keep five players for three years max. Um, I need to keep at least one pitcher and at least one position player. Scherzer, I'm right, keeping five players. Remember, three years maximum. Scherzer, Kershaw, Bauer, Snell, Carrasco. Ugh. Scherzer, Kershaw, Bauer, Snell, Carrasco. I want them all. Altuve and Soto. I want them you're, all. Yeah, you're <laughs> keeping Altuve and Soto for sure. Uh, Throwback. Who are you throwing Kershaw. back? You're, th- you're throwing back Kershaw as much as it hurts. And, and Carrasco. Carrasco. Probably. Yeah. All right, Mark is in a dynasty league. He can hold three minor leaguers. They can stay on the minor league roster until I activate them to the main roster. It's a roto league. I've been trying to eye a good keeper outfielder. I have Luis Robert. Am I pronouncing that? Robert. Robert. I figured. Luis Robert. Mediocre year due to injury, but a lot of upside. Uh, I noticed the other day that Alex Kirilov and Trammell are both available. Is there (laughs) any upside to grabbing either of those two? Kirilov. Looks like a monster hitter. Uh, he was, I just put together my outfield rankings for sports line. I'm not sure if they're up yet or not. My outfield prospect rankings, top 20. And Kirilov, I think, is fourth ahead of Robert or Trammell. So, like, he's, he's must own in a dynasty league. Yeah, his numbers, and he, he made it to high A last year, so he'll probably begin 2019 in double A. And once you get to double A, you're two good months away from the organization saying you need to work on your defense more. Um, <laughs> but he hit 348 with 20 homers and 44 doubles last season, struck out 86 times in, in 561 plate appearances. Like Scott said, that is monstrous production. Well, thank you, Scott, for returning and Chris for joining. Feel good about that. Thank you, Adam, show. for hosting. Thank you. Thank that, you. That's what I was I was Adam. fishing for that. Thank you. Uh everybody, we'll be back next week. Enjoy your weekend. And goodbye. I have nothing. 
Wow. <laughs> off season. I'm going to work on the outros this offseason. I'm going to work uh, on I, it. I retract my thing. <laughs> it's horrendous. See you later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.